Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 18 of The Best Thing. I can't thank you enough for showing up every single week for a brand new episode. Your emails that you send me, the DMs that you send me sharing how much you enjoy this podcast, they absolutely mean the world to me. Now, before we dig into this fantastic episode with Ben Newman, I want to remind you, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast just yet, I would like you to do that right now on whatever podcast platform you happen to be listening to this on. And I also want you to consider if you're getting some awesome value out of this podcast, if you'd be willing to write a short review or share this with someone in your community, that would be dope. Yes, I just said dope. Also, right now, we, we've heard the words unprecedented. We've heard the words uncommon. We are living in unprecedented and uncommon times. And for those folks right now who are struggling to, to navigate this new normal, I created some free reports for you. So if you find yourself right now feeling a little bit in a slump, or maybe you feel like you're in a little bit of a funk eating way too many crackers like I did yesterday, head over to my website, theantonionevs.com. And when you get there, something's going to pop up on the screen. You can enter your name and email address, and I'm going to send you some reports I created to help you navigate this time. So once again, head over to theantonionevs.com, sign up, and you'll get those directly in your inbox. Once again, thank you so much for listening. There, there are no sponsors for this podcast. I'm the sponsor. You're the sponsor by listening, and that means so much. All right, without further ado, let's get into episode 18 with Ben Newman. Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Neves. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to ever happen to them that doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm a speaker, author, and coach. And each week I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. This week's guest is someone I've wanted on the podcast from the beginning. When I watch a video of his, read a tweet or Instagram post, or read from one of his books, I just get fired up. Ben Newman is a highly regarded performance coach, international speaker, and best-selling author. His clients include Fortune 500 companies around the world, business executives, and professional athletes in the NFL, PGA, NBA, MLB, UFC, and NCAA. He has it on lock. Ben also serves as a mental conditioning coach for the 17-time national champion Alabama Crimson Tide football team. And he's also worked with players from the last three Super Bowl champion teams. And hey, his podcast and video show, The Burn, is a much watch and listen. I'm so excited. Ben, welcome to The Best Thing. Antonio, man, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We've been talking about this for a while. And finally, we are here. And uh, I appreciate our friendship. I appreciate you. And I appreciate that bio, man. When this... Uh, when this coronavirus is done, I, I may need to have you come on the road with me. That is, that, that's pretty darn good right there. I appreciate it. So the only problem is you picked all these things that people want to hear, 
But, uh, man, you know it and I know it. It's the challenge and adversity that we've been through that give us the opportunity to uh, fight to make a difference. Absolutely. Maybe we can even chat about that today. You know, it's funny because people, they'll see you on ESPN. They'll see you working with major programs, the Alabamas we mentioned, the Kansas States, the national champions like North Dakota State University. But one thing you regularly talk about, Ben, is, is the unseen hours. And I know you've been willing to do the work when no one is watching. Can you talk a little bit about that, that ethos of the, of the unseen hours and, and what that means? Absolutely. And uh, for, first, let me give, give the credit. And I think it's, it's so fitting uh, that you asked that question because, you know, there have been so many times in my life where I've been shaken to the core and knocked down and I've had those mentors and coaches who helped pick me up and help me shift my perspective, help me see that I had a little more fight in me when I felt like I couldn't go any further. And the unseen hours is a concept that I learned, even though I had been doing it for years, but articulating it that way from my good buddy, Drew Hanlon. He's one of the top NBA skills trainers in the world, and we now actually coach each other. So last year I read 24 books. I've got two coaches. He's one of them. You know, it's this constant pursuit to try to get better every single day. And to me, we don't do that when we're in front of the camera. We don't do that when we're standing on a stage. We don't do that when we're in the middle of an interview. You do that and you sharpen your skills, man, when like you're in your home gym or you're driving at four o'clock in the morning to the gym to get that lift in. When you're deciding to eat nutritional things when nobody's watching, right? When it's easy to eat that candy bar, it's putting in the extra work, uh, finding your edge in the details to be the best you can be when you're not looking for accolades, you're not doing it for recognition, you're doing it because of that burn that lies inside of you, that fire and that passion to say, man, I've been blessed with a gift to be the best I can be. I got to not choose to go do it. And I'm sure you have to remind folks and they're like, oh, Ben, I look at your Instagram. Must be nice to have a G-Wagon. Must be nice. Hand it to me. Uh, I've been doing the work when no one is watching. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> not supposed to be telling, telling the people all, all those things. No, but uh, hey, I, I, I do enjoy nice things. But man, I'm also a uh, former financial advisor. A lot of people don't realize. So I'm good at saving my money too. But uh Man, I, I do love that G-Wagon, but, you know, Instagram is one of those things, you know, people see what they want to see, but oftentimes they don't understand the underlying work that goes into, you know, the things that you have or, or the vacations. And, you know, they don't see that I've been doing this for 15 years almost, and they don't see the coffee cups that I used to get as payment for a talk, right? And so, you know, it's the tough stuff we've been through. It's that challenge that gives us the opportunity to write a significant story. Yeah, man, the, co- the coffee cups for the talk. Hey, briefly, you mentioned something. You talked about you get coached. And I can't tell you how many people I know, and as I work as a coach, how many coaches don't get coached. Could you talk about your willingness and why it's important for you still at the level that you operate to, to get coached and even the humility that's involved to do that? Yeah, so I'll actually take you back to, I was, I was 25 years old, and I was a financial advisor in St. Louis for a Fortune 100 financial firm. I had just gotten started in the financial services business, 100% commission, and our managing director of the financial firm, who's now a managing partner actually in, in Los Angeles, not, uh, not too far from you now, his name is Matt Plocker. And he's like, man, he goes, let me just share with you the importance of coaching. It's one of the philosophies we have in our organization that can kind of help you grow. And I wasn't even really earning commissions yet, right? There was no salary. There was no draw. And 
I remember I hired a coach right in the beginning. Like he had mentioned it would be a good thing to do. And I thought to myself, man, I've always had coaches like this makes sense, but I've never had a business coach. And I hired a gentleman by the name of Dieter Powell's. And that was it for me. You know, the opportunity to have conversations with Dieter, to share my emotion, to share my pain, to share the struggles that I had been going through, you know, starting a new business. And I've had a paid coach now since I was 25 years old. I'm 41. So for 16 straight years, I've had a paid coach and now I have two. And those coaches just enable me to slow down, to find my edge in the details, to challenge the ideas that I think are great, that maybe they're not great. And sometimes we don't necessarily see what's right in front of us. And having that coach no different than when you played a sport has just made a profound difference for me in my life. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And it's amazing that for so many years you've done that. And I know a lot of people say, oh, I can't make that investment. It's too much. But I can't. I tell you, folks, you can't. It's, it's so important to make the investment. All the top performers that I know at organizations, they all have one thing in common. In some capacity, they work with the coach and they have ongoing learning and development going on. Um, before we, we dig into the question of this podcast, Ben, every time I've interacted with you, whether it's on the phone, whether it's uh, on a video chat, whether it's in person over sushi, there's a charge that you have. Like you, there, There's just an energy that I can feel that emanates um, and I know it's natural for you. Can you talk about the basis for that, how you maintain this, you know, this outlook of optimism and strength that I feel like anyone who comes in contact with you, they walk away not only feeling charged up, but you, you have a gift to make people feel taller. I'm going to cut it to you straight because, uh, you know, that's how I am. Uh, I, I, it's the manner in which you just said that and articulated that, that uh, it, it's, it's making my eyes get a little glossy right now, man. And um, it, uh, it's the burn. And, and, you know, some people, they, they hear that and it's like, man, is this just like something that he says? Like, what is the burn? And for, for those that know me, every day I wake up and there's this burn that lies inside of me. And this burn was stoked by my mother. And I had to grow up fast. And as a result of that, it's made me an emotional guy. I cry when I watch Extreme Home Makeovers and I cry when my buddy Antonio <laughs> says things like you just said it's just the way that I am and you know my my mom battled a rare muscle disease called amyloidosis never knew my parents together uh, they were divorced when I was six months old my mother's last year living we had 24-hour nursing care my mother used to come to the dinner table with an IV stand to ask me how my day was at school and my mother was a school teacher so school was important to her she had to get to that table to ask my brother and I by putting one foot in front of the other. Sometimes it took one nurse, sometimes two with an IV stand, literally making her way to that table. My mother had a journal that she left behind where she wrote, beat the statistics, beat the odds, live with a disease that is chronic and fatal, believe in yourself, combat anything, purpose in life. And that was my mother's mindset when she was dying. She had no chance, Antonio. I mean, even to this day, you know, my mother passed 11 days before my eighth birthday, November 2nd, 1986. And even in this day in 2020, there's still no cure for this disease. My mother had no chance of making it. Yet every day, what I remember is that she embraced every single day. She found the strength that she had in her to make it to that dining room table. And so for me, every single day I wake up and I realize, man, this day is a gift. It is a blessing. And there's this fire that my mother stoked inside of me and it just won't go out. 
And it's a fire that lights my why and my purpose up every single day that causes me to take the action to want to give and to want to serve and to want to take all this energy that I've been given and just pour it into other people. And that's where that fire comes from. It, it comes from my mom. It comes from her passion for her life. It comes from her mindset. It comes from how she battled adversity. And it's what has enabled me to shift perspective that I know that I can make it through anything tough in life. And it's one of the reasons why we do the show The Burn because I know that I am not the only individual that has a story. Every single individual listening right now, you have a story, pain, challenge, adversity, a fire, a burn that lies inside of you that gives you perspective that you can go light up the world and go write a significant story. And I just encourage everybody because I know the power of what it's done for me in my life. Stay connected to that burn every single day and don't ever stop writing your story. Man, what you just shared first, I appreciate your willingness to share that and the reminder for all of us, the opportunity, because it is a choice that we have to indeed shift the perspective and embrace our story. And I know as it relates to that, that rare disease, how committed you are uh, to finding a cure for that and the donations you make that you don't even talk about to folks to ensure uh, that those kind of things happen. So let's shift to this question, shift to this question. Uh, it's a powerful one. And I can only imagine what examples you have that you can share from this, but I like to ask folks, what's one of the best things that has happened to you that's not traditional, that wouldn't necessarily show up on a resume, that wouldn't come up in a bio or come up in that natural conversation that has played a, a major role who, who Ben Newman is today? Yeah, so this, this is a, a powerful, powerful story. And, and once again, it's rooted uh, in adversity. It, it, it's, it's rooted in challenge. And so the year was 1936, Ruschelsheim, Germany. And my great-grandfather, Wolf Newman, was a shoemaker in Nazi Germany. And if you can picture just an old, historic-type-looking building, and on the lower level were storefronts, and there was a storefront where his shoe store was. It was called Shoehouse Neumann. So my name, Newman, actually, when the family came over to the United States, it was Americanized to Newman, but it was Neumann. So Schuhhaus Neumann, Ruschelsheim, Germany. And above that shoe store was an apartment, tiny little apartment, where my great-grandfather, Wolf, lived with his wife, Sophie, my great-grandmother, and their four children, Max, Kurt, Gertie, and Mita. Max is my grandpa. So imagine Nazi Germany, 1936, right at the beginning of, of the Nazi regime. My great-grandfather, my great-grandmother and their four children live in an apartment where one of the walls that they shared, that other apartment was occupied by a woman whose son was a Nazi. So if you can imagine every single day they would wake up knowing that your neighbor wants to kill you, and that was their reality. Every day my great-grandfather would go down to that shoe stand and he would make his shoes, he would blood, sweat, tears for money for the family. And he would always ask himself, how can I get the family out of harm's way? How can I get the family out of harm's way? He ends up finding out that he could, there was a boat that would take the family from Ruschelsheim, Germany, all the way to Ellis Island in New York. And the closer they got to the departure date that was set for the family, my great-grandfather ended up finding out that you weren't allowed to bring any money on the ship. A couple personal belongings, no money. So one day he's sitting at his shoe stand, if you can imagine this, and he holds up a pair of shoes and he thinks to himself, what if I made shoes that had hollow soles? What if I made shoes that had hollow soles? And I stuffed 1895 German 20 mark gold pieces inside the soles of these shoes. 
And I put them on my family's feet and gave them the directive. When your feet hit that soil of freedom in the United States on Ellis Island, you bust open the soles of these shoes. You take those gold coins and you sell them so that the family has money to get started in the United States. So many of us, we have a vision. We have thoughts. We can see it. We can touch it. We can almost taste it. But then we do nothing with it. My great-grandfather pulled those shoes down, cracked open those soles, hollowed them out, put those 1895 20-mark gold pieces inside those shoes, put them on the family's feet, put them on my grandfather Max's feet. And when my great-grandfather's feet hit the soil of freedom in Ellis Island and when he settled in St. Louis where the family still lives today, he busted open the soles of those shoes, took that gold and sold it so that the family would have money to get started. My father wears the last gold coin around his neck. That gold coin is the connection to every member of our family. Just on my father's side of the family, 18 relatives died in the Holocaust, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the sacrifice. The last gold coin, my dad hasn't taken it off his neck in over 50 years. I've had the opportunity to take pictures of that gold coin, to hold that gold coin in my hands. There was one night we were actually sitting at dinner at Pasta House right down the street, and we were with my dad and, and my daughter. And I remember I asked my dad, I said, do you mind taking off the coin so that I can take a picture? And he takes it off, and I laid it down on the table. I took a picture, and then I, I got a little teary in my eyes, and I looked over at my son, Isaac, and I said, buddy, I said, hold this coin. And uh, you know, he held the coin in his hand, and my daughter held the coin. And what I realized was how incredible that that exact same coin was the same coin that my great-grandfather had held in his hands in Nazi Germany that he put inside of a pair of shoes. Without those gold coins, you and I, we're not on your podcast right now. There's no, there's no opportunity for, even, for you to ask me that question. I could have never worked with Alabama. I could have never worked with K-State. I could have never done, wouldn't have had children, nothing. So if there's one thing that people don't know that you don't find in a bio, it's that gold coins were stuffed inside of a pair of shoes by my courageous great-grandfather for our family to get our start. And I would just encourage everybody, you know, stay connected to your legacy. Stay connected to the sacrifice that was made before you had your shot. Because so many of us, we, we take things for granted. But it's stories like that for me when I hold that coin in my hands. Just like my mother's life, I, I've been blessed on the maternal and the paternal side to realize the importance of legacy, to realize that we can't take things for granted, to realize there's been great sacrifice that's provided us our opportunities. So I, I know that's pretty deep, probably not what you thought you were going to get, but uh, I hope that answer makes a difference for everybody listening. I appreciate your willingness to share that. And just briefly, I have to ask, were you able ever to meet your grandfather? So obviously my grandfather I was, yes, but not my great-grandfather Wolf. So my great-grandfather Wolf, who was actually the shoemaker, uh, he actually died of a heart attack in Germany before the family came over. So my great-grandmother and the four children came over, and uh, I had the opportunity, never got to meet my great-grandmother Sophie, uh, but I did have the opportunity to spend time and have a relationship with Max, Kurt, Gertie, and Mita. And Max, my grandpa, uh, he actually passed away when I was in uh, middle school. Wow. I'm curious. You talk about that, that poignant moment when your dad, who keeps that necklace around his neck, took it off for that brief moment where you could hold it, take a picture, you could share, put that in the hands of, of your kids as well. I know this podcast I'm talking about to you, Ben, but I have to ask you for your father. What do you think that gold coin for him? Maybe he shared this with you. What did that signify and still signify for him? Well, you know, my, my father's really the one who, uh, 
really hammered home the importance. You know, my your mom going through that type of a struggle, right? In the moment, you know, she's not saying, you know, pay attention to how I'm living. You're going to learn lessons, right? Whereas my father, you know, he's written books. And not, it's not a book that you find on the shelves at Amazon, but, you know, he's so deeply connected to the history of our family that he's written a book about it so that all the family members can have it. I mean, my dad taught me that importance of legacy and staying connected. I mean, that coin means the world to my dad. I mean, he does not take it off his neck. I mean, I was almost surprised when I said, hey, can I take a picture that he actually took it off for me to take the picture? I mean, he does not take it off. I would have to imagine, I've never asked him the question directly, but when you hear him talk about it, just like I connect to that burn with my mom every single day, I know when he looks in the mirror and sees that coin, he connects to the sacrifice that was made for our family. Yeah, the sacrifice. What, what a huge word that we don't necessarily hear a lot. When I think about your great-grandfather, Wolf, I'm, I'm going to call him Mr. Mr. Neumann. Of course, we think about the term legacy. I'm also thinking about just the ingenuity, how his brain just got creative to, again, think about his family. For those people listening, Ben, who right now may not feel like they have any type of connection to the word legacy, they're in the day-to-day and they don't see how what they do today can shape and form the future, not just for themselves, but for other generations to say, hopefully after listening to this, they do see it. But what is your take on legacy and how folks can think about that in terms of how they live their life each day? Yeah, you know, there's a, a, a book that I wrote called Own Your Success. And in that book, I introduce a concept one of the four lessons that the main character learns kind of on his journey and it's living legacy. So it's leaving a living legacy. And a lot of people think that legacy is just something that happens when we're gone. You know, it's a reflection of how our life was lived. Yet I believe that with a deeper connection to legacy, It's actually something we live every day. And the greatest life lesson I've ever learned, I learned from my mom. And that lesson is it's not how long you live, it's how you choose to live your life. And I think it's easy to get content. I think it's easy to get caught in just the natural, regular rhythm of life. And, you know, I think going through this pandemic, everybody having to slow down, getting the extra family time that I've gotten the additional time with my wife, walks with my, with my beautiful wife, Amy, around the neighborhood with our dog. I mean, stuff that like you just haven't slowed down to do. You realize every single decision from your family time when your children are watching to this conversation that we're having right now. I would just say to everybody, just slow down and remember every day you're writing part of your story. And you may not be in the job that you want right now, but learn as much as you can where you are because it might be part of a significant story that you're writing. And there's somebody that's watching you, whether it's a friend, a colleague, a niece, a nephew, a son, a daughter, a wife, people watch your behavior. And I think it's important to recognize that every single choice that we make, once that choice is made and we get done with that day, we can't go back and change it. You can't go back and change it. Just a couple more questions for you. One thing I have to say is, it's obvious, Ben, how much you love your children. You can just look on your social media feeds and, and see that. But also, I, I was fortunate enough before we hit record to see how you interacted with your daughter. And I was just, I was just watching your eyes as you looked at her and how you <clears throat> communicated with her that, that brief moment as you gave her something that she asked for. How do you go about teaching that, that legacy to your children? Is it just by example? Or are there specific things you and your wife are doing on a daily basis? to ensure 
Uh, they know long after dad is gone and things have changed that that Newman story of, the, of their, gra- their great, great, great grandfather stays with them and how they can live a living legacy. Well, I, I think a lot of it is, you know, sharing those stories, letting them know and, you know, really articulating to them. It's, you know, I think of my wife and uh, just her amazing story. Grew up in a tiny little town, Edinburgh, Illinois, graduated with 28 people. And, you know, she's an executive at Anheuser-Busch. She's been there for over 20 years. And so I think just her example of hard work, her example of how much she loves her work, her example of, you know, coming from this tiny little town, doing the improbable to do what she's done at the largest beer company in the world. I mean, it's just incredible. So I think a lot of it comes from action. And then, you know, a lot of it comes from sharing those stories of how did you get to where you've gotten them, understanding those gold coins, them knowing exactly who my mother was. And then I screw it up all the time, but trying to be the best dad that I can be. You know, sometimes I say things that I absolutely wish that I didn't say. Sometimes I act ways that I wish that I didn't act. And, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to be the best father that I can be. I'm trying to instill those lessons of of hard work and integrity and love and doing the right things. But man, I'm trying the best I can. But I I will tell you, when when you look at those kids, uh, it's just amazing, you know, because you realize the responsibility that we have, that we get to help them, you know, really understand what life is all about. And then you just hope and you pray that they make good decisions moving forward to write a heck of a story themselves. Absolutely. And as a father of, you know, four-year-old twins right now, I know exactly what you're talking about, especially again, you have to be, you know, have the humility to say, Hey, I mess up as well. My last question for you is how does Ben Newman, who is living an amazing life. And again, we look at the internet at Google, we can see all the amazing things that you've done. And I know you're going to continue to do these. How do you ensure that the best is for you is today and moving forward as opposed to in the past? Well, you know, for, for me, I believe in never being seduced by success. And so here, here's one more thing that you won't uh, find on, on your resume or on, on my resume. My first job, I was 13 years old and I sold hot dogs at a pool snack bar in St. Louis. It was uh, $3.25 an hour. If anybody knows about the St. Louis heat, it is real in the summertime. The humidity is thick. You could cut it with a knife. I didn't have to work. My dad was a successful trial attorney, but he wanted me to work. He encouraged me to work. So I worked. And what that taught me was you know, you got to go get after it every single day. And so then that carried over to when I played hoops and, you know, it's carried over to every job that I've ever had. And so I never look at it as, man, we're going to measure ourselves in championship rings. We've helped athletes win or accolades and recognition. You know, I just do the very best I can to be the best I can be today. And I try to encourage other people, don't be seduced by your success. You know, don't don't allow what happened yesterday to dictate how you show up today. It's part of your story. But our opportunity every single day is to look in the mirror and say, today, did I give it my very best? And if you can live a life where you do that every single day, nobody can ask any more of you than your very best. And you can't ask any more of yourself than showing up, getting after it and attacking the process one day at a time. Listen, those words right there. I will never forget. Never be seduced by success. Ben Newman, I can't thank you enough for making time to be on the Best Thing Podcast. This one I know is going to touch listeners in their heart and they're going to know what it means to have a living legacy. Ben, for folks that want to learn more about you, your work, where would you like them uh, to go visit? 
would definitely love individuals to uh, come follow on Instagram at continued fight and uh, would love to stay connected there. It's probably where I am most active, not a member of our team. It's me. So every morning you'll see it's messages. It's me connecting. It's what's on my mind and, and would love to stay connected and, and have that opportunity to impact you. Yeah, make sure you join his email list as well. So each Monday you can get that email, the latest episode of The Burn like I do. I look forward to it. Ben, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking time and I can't wait to connect in the future. Can't wait to see you soon as well. Always in your corner, Antonio. Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.